When it comes to burnout and mental health, is there something unique about the Gen Z population? You know, that's specifically those who were born between the late 90s and the first decade in the 21st century. And quick question is also, can tech and indeed entrepreneurs and startups help too? My guest today is Dr. Hugh Bui, and uh, he's based in Florida. And he's going to be speaking about how we may be able to help enable and empower Gen Zs to prevent and battle burnout. Dr. Bui has 15 years of experience in healthcare and alongside being a fellowship trained radiologist, he also enjoys being an entrepreneur, an investor and a human capital metrics and analytics consultant. Welcome to Tribe Talks here at The Entrepreneur's Doctor where we're here to help you, the entrepreneur or intrapreneur, to create a healthier, happier world through your ventures. And if you are new here, welcome. I've got a special gift for you and some of those who are here on the Zoom call are Summit speakers as well. So I've got a free ticket for you for the Startup Therapy Summit. So do check that out in the description below. And what you'll also receive is a backstage pass to join us here on Zoom for our weekly Tribe Talks where you'll be able to ask your questions uh, for both the speaker, myself, and also uh, peer discussion right after each of these talks. So quick disclaimer, if we do speak about health issues, business issues, finance issues, any of the above really, please treat all of this as information and education only, hopefully a little bit of entertainment occasionally, but obviously don't treat this as medical or professional advice. Pleasure to be here today uh, to speak on a topic that uh, I'm passionate about because the future of work is gonna be more important than ever and I think if we try to apply the same learning and development uh, for past generations uh, and apply it to the future of work uh, generation, especially Gen Z, uh, based on the time frame that they were born in 1997 and up to the early you know, 20, 2012, 2013 timeframe, I think we're gonna make a, a big mistake because the applications of learning and development and the type of learner Gen Z, uh, to apply those learning techniques uh, from what has worked in the past generation will not work with today's generation. As we can see today, the headlines of great resignation and so many pain points in regards to work, uh, we are starting to see uh, a disconnect of what we apply in the past and what is today. So before I get into about the technology and how we can leverage that to uh, apply to Gen Z, I want to talk a little bit about the Gen Z makeup and their profile because you got to need to get an introduction to see what this generation is like. Because unlike um, past generations, they uh, you know they have their unique characteristics because of their upbringings and life experiences that mold them to who they are today. Um, and they are similar to millennials, but they also have their unique characteristics that make them a little more different compared to the past generation. So when we start to look at the makeup and the profile of Gen Z, they're highly educated. There are more diverse workforce more than ever before. Uh, they're more digitally connected, achievement, uh, highly achievement oriented. And um, 
they 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 are they are different type of learners compared to previous generations. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about who they are and what they make up. And I think the future work is going to require that healthcare systems or employers are going to be uh, more in tune and to align the strategies of learning and development uh, to this generation uh, compared to past generations. Surprisingly, Gen Z of all generations have reported the highest level of anxiety and depression. Uh, their makeup and their upbringing is also a more in perfect, uh, protective environment, more like what we call helicopter parenting. And so when you start to look at the makeup of this generation, you'll start to see that um, it's gonna be a lot different in how we treat them uh, compared to past generations. Like I said, most of them will report the highest level compared to other generations, high level of depression and anxiety. And many have, have reported uh, managing le stress uh, less um, uh, well compared to other generations. So when we look at the healthcare system today, we often talk about burnout, workload stress, and burnout, you know, is a situation that needs to be addressed moving forward if this is just the generation that has reported the highest level of depression and anxiety and not being, being able to be, uh, have, been, have the autonomy to make decisions because of the overbearing and protective environment as they were growing up. A lot of these professionals and life skills that we often take for granted, they weren't given an opportunity to. So, uh, we need to kind of foster a work environment. It's gonna be a lot different than the past generations. This generation is gonna be more, as a learner, they're more collaborative. They're digitally more connected. They're online and offline. There's no differentiation at times. So you need to be in tune of this generation uh, to understand what type of learner they are, what kind of employees they are, and the, the, the type of, um, of employees and what, what that's gonna lead to, like in learning, development, onboarding, uh, those things are gonna be important moving forward in the future because you know, in, an, in, in the past, an autocratic type of leadership in many hospital systems is prevalent. Fear-based hierarchical systems are not gonna work with this generation. They're more in line with coaching type of leadership um, that's gonna be, they're talking to their language. And so we need to, uh, like I said, just be in tune with some of the things that this generation is very unique. And we talk about some of the professional life skills or soft skills that are not often given to them, like communication, leadership skills, teamwork, work ethic, problem solving, resiliency, uh, relationship building. A lot of these professional or soft skills, um, they didn't learn how to develop not because of their own fault, more just the upbringing and their generation. So we need, again, to align and pivot learning and development with this generation of workforce. Uh, if we're going to have successful integration of them as a workforce, and when you think about by 2030, 30% 30 of the workforce is going to be Gen Z. So they, they, they make up a large portion of the workforce coming up pretty soon. So we need to kind of like pivot to new learning models that are more blended. And how do we go about doing this? And that is, again, understanding their generational attributes, what makes them so special compared to other generations, and how we're going to uh, approach in a strategic, proactive way of how we do 
uh, learning and development for onboarding or everyday life and work. So what Sterius is, is a propriety uh, technology software company that actually uh, does a lot of blended like learning online and they, uh, the Gen Zs are gonna, uh, unlike other generations, we're not gonna sit like an hour and learn things uh, in a book or they, they want almost like TikTok video learning content, three to five minutes, micro learning as we call, content that is rapidly, readily available in mobile technologies. And, and, and also, you know, a lot of the lesson plans, gamification, they love to be online, they love to play games. And so learning and development of some of these professional life skills that we talked about earlier uh, are gonna be, you know, we can gamify it. We can actually produce customized learning content uh, through, you know, uh, the, the platform and also provide um, micro level coaching. Unlike in the past where, you know, you, you might uh, get somebody to spend hours with you. This is kind of like more like a different post level of coaching in small groups or in larger groups, kind of like spend three to five minutes again, coaching, you know, it's like having, you know, a coach that's really available online to uh, help guide this generation along their journey at work. So when you think about how important this asset of Generation Z being a part of the workforce, it's important for employers or healthcare systems to start to learn how to pivot technology and, and leverage that to learn to new learning models um, that is going to be in alignment with this generation. So we have the technology and the platform for online learning with uh, bite-sized video contents of different uh, uh, communication skills. Uh, like I said, these soft skills that are not taught. We're not here to replace schools. Schools, they just teach you a lot of technical knowledge, but they can't teach you some of these professionals uh, or soft skills that are highly valuable for organizations. And so we always talk about the importance of life skills and professional or soft skills that we call it, but they're so important that a lot of time is forgotten. And so if you have poor communication, you can have all the technical knowledge you have <laughs> working, but if you don't know how to communicate effectively, you're not gonna be able to take leadership roles. And so this platform, like I said, leverage this technology, and we focus on Gen Z because this generation uh, lacks some of those skill sets that we think is going to be important moving forward in succession planning for organizations. Because a lot of Gen Z, because of reported level of stress, uh, they're more likely, less likely to take leadership roles because they feel the stress of working in leadership roles is not for them either. So through proper coaching and guidance, we can help this generation uh, you know, to uh, take the next step and have that growth mindset and be leaders of organizations. Uh, and also when you start to take a look at like a lot of things we talk about burnout. Um, burnout is like when start people start to lose their purpose. Well, you can develop that purpose, personalized purpose with this generation by defining the meaning of work. We can talk about how to take more autonomy in their everyday life. Because when you start to lose, have burnout, it's when you start to lose that control of their environment of when working. So all these things kind of play together hand in hand and how to be more resilient uh, and, and have adapt to, you know, the changing, uh, you know, work environment, be agile and all those things that are important. We're going to have to provide them 
that framework and blueprint through that new learning and development and models that we can help them. And like I said, technology is one and the way we create new learning content that is in tune with this generation. Thank you so much for that. I mean, you're, you're touching on so many points for me that resonate with me. I've been through burnout. I know exactly what it feels like. And, uh, you know, there's been this recent BBC drama series, It's Gonna Hurt, you know, all about the medical profession and going through burnout and indeed suicide, unfortunately. But right. it affects all sorts of professions. And I want to make sure those of us who are on Zoom with us today can, uh, can ask you some questions. I just have one brief follow-up, if you could maybe just briefly answer it. So we've got ample time for, for others. And for sure. those of you who are watching or listening afterwards, if you want to come onto this Zoom call and ask questions, make sure you check out the link in the description below, as well as to the information about Dr. Hugh and, and uh, Hugh Bowie, sorry, apologies, and what uh, they do. I think specifically, Hugh, what I'd love to ask you, I mean, we could be talking about Ikigai, we could be talking about, um, sorry, I'm just going to put on mute. We could be talking about all sorts of things, but you mentioned not going into schools. And indeed, one thing that came to my mind is, you know, uh, many of us have had the fortune and, and the luck of having um, extracurricular experience growing up, and not everyone gets that for sure. I mean, you know, you could talk about inequalities and deprivation and not having the ability to join all these sporting activities where you get these soft skills, you know, for example, or music. And then going through, I remember the graduation for my master's program, the, the, the kind of the speaker that was saying, that was speaking and trying to inspire us was actually saying, welcome to a new generation where you're going to be jumping from career to career. Uh, it's never going to be a stable job anymore, unfortunately. And that adds to the stress. So just wondered if you have any thoughts about maybe offering a solution that connects the dots for people going from maybe high school or even earlier through to their various jobs over time, rather than being an employer by employer solution? I think uh, that really comes down to is understanding who you are as a person. And through that coaching, they can probably explore and develop that personalized purpose in what you do. And I think that's important because without personalized purpose, that is where you could potentially see job hopping. Because when you start to work at a job and you don't find it to be meaningful in your life, that could affect you and you, you are searching for the next job because you're trying to see the, the meaning and the purpose of what you do. And that's the problem with many organizations is that whether it be different generations and we're starting to see more of that today with millennials and Gen Z too is the, the, the great resignation situation is that people are losing that personalized purpose and what they do and organizations are not doing enough good job to explain why uh, your job is important in the meaning and the whole context of the organization. So lots of times people are thrown into organization. They go to onboarding and they get this cookie cutter, uh, you know, mission and vision of your organization. But how do you really, what is that job, like your job mean into that? How does that connect to the mission and, uh, and vision of that organization? So if you're a technologist and you take pictures for doctors, and you work every day and you go to this onboarding uh, meet conference that when you first join and they give you, you know, the onboarding situation and, and somebody talks about the mission and vision, 
But how does that connect to you as a personal technologist? So a lot of times we need to develop more personalized purpose in that onboarding situation to see why you're doing it. So when for a medical technologist, you have to tell them your job is it's important because when you take good pictures for doctors, they can make the proper diagnosis. And you give examples of technologists that have done a good job and taking great pictures that actually help that doctor make that diagnosis. So now you provided meaning to this person and what they do every day. But if you actually get this person in a, in a conference room with, with 100 people that have joined your organization and you don't involve that personalized purpose, they kind of lose sense of why they're here and what, what, I mean, it's just another day of work. It's another paycheck, right? So personalized purpose and what you do really helps with this job hopping situation. That's my, that's my opinion. Excellent. Thank you. I'll go to Patricia next. So Patricia, feel free to ask your question. Um, my interactions with Generation Z, it seems like they cannot even carry on a five-minute conversation with another human without checking Dr. Google. And it's very difficult to get soft skills when Dr. Google is there go to out all the time do you find this are ways to work with that yeah i think i think learning how to set boundaries but also learning to teach them how to navigate what is information source their information overload they're at the fingertips of information every day right so we have to probably teach them that that certain source of information are legitimate and which ones are not uh, and then talking about the importance of communication skills, that something that maybe they were not accustomed to or, or exposed enough. And so that, that takes coaching, you know, scenario-based learning, like when you and I are having a conversation and, and, and how we can develop that relationship is a lot more meaningful when you learn how to kind of connect somebody face-to-face. -face. So that is that is the, the thing that that you have one thing learning content and then we we have to explain why the communication they they are a generation very smart they want to know why so why is communication important what does communication mean to me so now you start to go over with you you know coaching and you start to explain why communication is important because they want to know they just don't want it you you can't just say communication is important just do it with this generation you have to explain why why is, coach, uh, why is communication important? And we go over the list of communication, the benefits of communication. And when you can role play and scenario based with through coaching, why these things are important. And then we can set them up because they learn through peers also. And then you can set up two peers, how, hey, maybe a business deal is a lot better when you can communicate one-on-one -on -one with somebody. And the sales that you make in your business can be made so much more effectively if you built that relationship with somebody and you can see that you can set up scenarios where you can see two people that have communicated with each other and connected versus somebody who's never connected and trying to make a sale, right? So the person who is able to connect and communicate effectively would one-on-one -on -one is more likely to make the sale compared to somebody who's just sending an email and trying to, you know, trying to make a sale. So it's important that you know you you set up these scenarios and, and communicate why why 
certainly skills are important. You can't just say they're important and just leave it as it is. I think Hugh, just uh, before I go to the next question, this is this is absolutely critical. And what you're listening to here, for you watching or listening to this, isn't just important about like let's say as an entrepreneur creating a solution that you go and sell to the market. This applies to your startup too. As your startup grows, think about the teams that you're developing and nurturing. Uh, really support them uh, to stay innovative and uh, on the front of where you are. And actually, this is a key uh, term that uh, Leah wants to ask you about, Hugh, which is about disruptive leadership. Go ahead, uh, Leah. Yeah, thanks, Hugh. I really appreciate um, this topic being discussed because I think um, over my years working in healthcare and working on some pretty significant digital health projects as well, where you're introducing technology, um, my experience has been healthcare has been quite hierarchical with leadership and executives making decisions in a top-down manner. And mm -hmm. I think my question to you is, um, does your, your platform address how you capture this data and analytics to influence um, the current situ structure of how um, healthcare works? And how does that look into the future for the Gen Xs where you're potentially looking at disruptive leadership? They're going to be working in a different agile way, possibly with more gamification. You talked about communication. Um, how does your algorithms work in this way to really capture that data and influence this, this, this type of learning as well for these Gen Xs? That's an excellent question. Um, through the power of data collection, uh, one of the companies I'm working with uh, actually also captures like a 360 view <clears throat> of um, the whole organization itself. So employee, employees can rate their, uh, their boss, the boss can rate the employees, and also teams can rate each other how they feel about each other. So it's like a 360 view of the emotional needs of how everybody feels about other teams, how peer-to-peer, team-to-teams, and then between a, a employee to employer and employer to employee. So when you have that all that information, you see areas of, of um, areas of opportunities that need to be worked on, like two teams together that are not functioning well together. And when they're rating, uh, and the data collection is not through the uh, routine quarterly surveys or at the end of the year, you need to collect data on a more uh, frequent basis, almost like weekly, so now you're not being reactive toward the end of the quarter about two teams that are not working well together. You should be able to address, it's like taking a snapshot, like collecting data is like in more robust data connection where it's like done weekly or daily and to the time toward the end of the year. It's like taking a video and you can really see over time the changes in your data, a collection of people data versus a snapshot view, which is what surveys does at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year. You're being reactive to something that's already happened, right? So when you look, when you collect data, you're being proactive and you can predict into the future what based on the, you know, maybe forecasting model of like employee moods between two teams, you can predict maybe in the next couple of months what that's gonna be like. But most organizations today are mainly at the descriptive level analytics uh, and they, they're not at, you know, the uh, predictive or prescriptive level analytics. So that is, that's the problem most organizations today is when it comes to people data, they're really behind the times. The organizations are very strategic in how they manage their human capital. 
Uh, they really know what's going on with their people from the entire employee life cycle. From the time they join to the time they exit the organization, they know everything about them because they understand that people are the greatest assets and that return of investment and people, they need to understand them better. But most organizations, uh, they talk a good game. I mean, most people say people are our greatest asset, but only about 20% of organizations really do have a strategic game plan on how they manage their greatest asset. Most, most of it is just lip service. When you do a deep dive into organizations, you'll find that most of them do not have a strategy. They're being reactive. With all the turnover today that we're seeing, it's all reactive. It's all reactive. So, but in regards to leadership type of autocratic style, healthcare systems for the longest time has always been on a hierarchy fear-based system. Mm -hmm. And we need a transition now as we new, pick new leaders for organizations. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that we need to pick the new type of leader that has coaching abilities, mm -hmm. not autocratic type of style of leadership. So mm -hmm. how you pick your leaders is gonna mean a lot in the future moving forward. So you have to, you have to kind of like, we can't pick the best salesperson. We can't pick the best doctor to be a leader because those people do not, they do not translate to being the best leader. Okay. So but, that's what the problem is. Most organization also is the lack of a, a, a very sound game plan on how to pick leaders of organizations. Most are picking them based on certain attributes that don't, does not always translate to being the best leader. The best salesperson gets elected to be the, the sales manager the best doctor gets to be the chief of the hospital. That does not translate to good leadership. Mm -hmm. I agree more. So That's Leah, great. I'm going to keep going. We've literally got less than a minute left for today's episode, but I want to make sure I go to Ramin, who introduced me to Hugh. Um, and just, you know, for, for just one thing about Leah and your work on blockchain, just think about the rich source of data in terms of workplace well-being uh, and all the, the, the episodes in between that and how could that enter the, the health sector. So Ramin, over to you for the final question. And Hugh, I really appreciate you if you could keep this for under a minute and uh, uh, we'll sure. take any further questions offline. Thank you. So Hugh, I appreciate your presentation. It was very good. Um, personally, my story is when I was in medical school, my dad got Parkinson's and that was my motivation for going into primary care. The organization I joined ended up becoming the nation's largest ACO and was ranked in the top 1%. And what happened is it was acquired by an insurance company. And, um, you know, subsequently with COVID, their, their business model got screwed around. And the last month I was there, each of the doctors went from seeing 10 patients a day to only three patients a day because they didn't have the volume to support it. And I was one of their medical directors. So they let me go because I was one of the higher paid physicians and I was a leader within that organization, but they didn't care about my 14 years experience there. At the end of the day, it's all about RVUs and meeting their bottom line. So at 47, I'm trying to reinvent myself and I'm trying to figure out my motivation because I went into medicine to help people. I did 14 years of primary care. That was a different lifetime ago. And with COVID, everything is moving, you know, to, to digital and, I'm out of space now. I don't think it makes sense to open up my own practice. I don't want to be an employee. I'm working on getting an MBA, but I don't even know what to do with it. I, I, I got certified in AI and I have a lot of this expertise experience about the hospital at home because that's what the company I work with did. We proved to Medicare that it's more cost effective to provide primary care in the home. And I'm in a unique circumstance. All right. I got an idea for you, okay? <laughs> 
based on your expertise, obviously you never, you always leverage from what your expertise are going to be. You're in medicine, you know, hospice care, you know, home health care. Have you ever thought about leveraging that? Obviously taking the business course to understand how to operate business is good, but you always, in any MBA is only worth is what you can specialize in it, right? We have, everybody has an MBA, but if you don't leverage that to more of a specialized niche, then in your situation, I, I can envision you doing what uh, a business plan where you can actually go into real estate and create like home health care is going to shift from hospital based to home health care based, create like models of how to build homes that are more in tune in the future where people can stay at home and actually receive care at home instead of like, you know, um, you know, at the hospital. So create more uh, homes that are more efficient for the future where they can actually receive care from at home. So you have to create, build, I mean, you have to build homes that are, 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 can have the machines or different things that, that can have this home health care that we talked about. They might have a blood pressure cuff monitor. You might have like a, a hospital bed size where it can fit handicapped structures that are more in tune with home health care, right? So leveraging your expertise and build, maybe create like help build homes that are more um, in tune with uh, home health care delivery service in the future. That's my thought. Hugh and, and Roman, you and I need to talk because on that point, and we'll wrap up here, uh, on that point about healthy homes. I mean, when I was doing my doctorate, uh, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years ago uh, in Boston, it was about healthy homes. And then at the CDC in Atlanta, it was about healthy homes. And I've got a little surprise for you guys coming up. So on one of these tribe talks in the next few weeks, we've got a physician based in the US who's literally just started a, a startup of his own about healthy homes, not just smart homes, but the full holistic picture. So stay tuned. Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you. You're always welcome back as and when you wish. And for those of you who were in the Zoom room, thank you for the questions. And for you watching or listening, do make sure uh, you post your questions below and I'll get back to you straight after. Take care.